Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. In downtown South Bend. Let's go! Come on! Ah! Welcome to Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Wow, don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish is upset. Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Number one ranked UCLA Bruins have been upset. Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame, 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBTradio.com, the free WSBT radio app. Big time agents! Now, here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner, Darren Pritchett. Well, if you had UConn, San Diego State, Miami, Florida Atlantic in your final four, First off, I think you're probably lying, but if you actually had it, congratulations. Holy cow. What a wild Final Four. Last year, we had sort of the Blue Blood Final Four. Kansas, Villanova, Duke, North Carolina. Not the case this year. The first time ever the Final Four features team seated four or worse. Incredible. UConn a four, San Diego State a five, Miami and Florida Atlantic nines. And if you had a hundred bucks sitting around, and for fun, just for the heck of it, you put that $100 on a four-team parlay for those four teams to make the final four. Pre-tournament odds to make the final four, UConn was plus 500. San Diego State plus 875, Miami plus 2000, and Florida Atlantic plus 3500. You parlay those four and a $100 bet, you would have won $4.4 million. Incredible. I'm really curious to see the TV and radio ratings of this Final Four. I think we all like the upsets early on in the tournament, but you want, don't you, the good teams to make it to the Final Four? And you want some great national semifinal matchups with drama. We had it last year with Duke and Carolina playing in the NCAA tournament for the first time against each other. Then a great matchup between Villanova and Kansas this year. Boy, a whole different ball game as you've got San Diego State 
taking on Florida Atlantic and UConn versus Miami. But we'll have both games for you on Saturday here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. And Friday, we'll bring you coverage of the women's Final Four. Great to have you on board. Darren Pritchett with you on this Monday, March the 27th of 2023. My bracket has been ripped to shreds for a while. Did not have any of the Final Four teams. I wish there were college hockey tournament brackets because I'd be having a lot more fun in that as I've gone 11-1 and one so far in my picks in my college hockey bracket, and I've got all four Frozen Four teams still alive. Got Minnesota, BU, Michigan, and Quinnipiac. I've got Minnesota beating Michigan in an all-Big Ten national championship game. We'll see if it pans out, but we got two Big Ten teams into the Frozen Four this year. And Notre Dame hockey got some massive news today. Two veteran key parts from last year's team, in fact, the last few years, are coming back for one more year. Forward Trevor Janicki is coming back, along with goaltender Ryan Bischel, who is the reigning Big Ten goaltender of the year. So that's a pretty good way to start for the Irish as they start rebuilding The Irish missed the NCAA tournament for the first time since 2015 this year, and they've got a lot of freshmen coming in. It's a big freshman class. I'm not sure how much Coach Jackson's going to get involved in the transfer portal this year compared to the last two years with that big freshman class, and now you've got Janicki back, Bischel back. You know, fingers crossed that the South Bend native Landon Slaggart comes back for his senior season, a Blackhawk third-round draft pick, but his brother Carter is coming in. And I would think that's pretty enticing to play with Carter like Landon did with his older brother Graham. So that is a possibility. And if that happens, you're starting to see the formation of a pretty good hockey team, but a lot will depend on that freshman class of course, because a lot of key parts gone from last year's team. So some good news for Irish hockey, Trevor Janicki and Ryan Bischel back for one more season. We can talk more about that on tomorrow's program because on today's program, our hat trick of opening topics coming up in a couple of moments. We'll talk some spring practice. You'll hear from Notre Dame offensive coordinator Jared Parker. He met the media on Saturday talking about the first three days of practice, what he is seeing on the offensive side of the football, and an intriguing player that eventually we'll get to see once again, and that is running back Jadarian Price, who is a guy that just seems like has boatloads of potential for this football team. Tore his Achilles last summer. We saw him star in the blue goal game last year. He dazzled during spring practice. Eventually, Notre Dame will get him back, and maybe that's a reason why Chris Tyree is now sampling the wide receiver position with Diggs and Estime being 1A and 1B at running back. Maybe Price is your number three, and that's probably another reason why Chris Tyree is expendable to use him at wide receiver, give him a chance to get more on the field this year. Also coming up on the program, our Twitter question of the day, the top five wins of the weekend. A mock draft from Daniel Jeremiah, well-respected from the NFL Network, Michael Mayer is not the first tight end now off the board in his mock draft. And we'll give you some details on that, including, I'll I'll tease you right now, Michael Mayer went 13 picks after the first tight end was selected in this mock 
draft. Does that shock you a little bit? I told you last week there's some momentum for Dalton Kincaid from Utah catching up to Michael Mayer and in some mock drafts passing him. And here's one. He went 13 picks after Kincaid. So Michael Mayer, we know his talents, allegedly the safest pick in the draft yet. Seems to be slipping a little bit, and Dalton Kincaid is picking up steam. Also at the end of the program, our Sizzler segment to start off a brand new week of sports wagering here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. But first, our hat trick of opening topics, three topics to kick off the program as we broadcast live on Sports Radio 960 WSBT, streaming live at WSBTradio.com and on the WSBT radio app. Well, I think we can officially say the basketball season is over now in northern Indiana. High school basketball wrapped up. We'll talk more about Northwood in a bit, but congratulations to the Panthers for winning the 3A Boys Basketball State Championship and the Irish women's basketball team. Their season came to a close on Saturday in the Sweet 16 down in Greenville. Irish played two-seed Maryland tough in the first half, but things got away from the Irish in the third quarter. Final score, Maryland 76, Notre Dame 59. The Irish hampered by 25 turnovers, didn't handle the press well, and Notre Dame wraps up their season in the Sweet 16, of course, without Dara Mabry and their star point guard, Olivia Miles. Head coach, Neil Ivey, on the season-ending loss. Throughout the second half, we really struggled with pressure, turned the ball over more than we would like, couldn't really get into our flow in that third quarter. Um, so just, you know, really hard, disheartening. Um, you know, it hurts, you know, for our seniors. Um, but what what I'm mostly proud of as their coach is just where we are at this, this moment with everything that we had to go through, um, the toughness, the resilience that I felt like I saw in this team, um, the growth of this group, um, especially with these two. You know, I forced them with um, all of our adversity to, to do a lot of different things that they normally wouldn't have to do, um, playing much, much bigger roles um, than really was expected. You know, Sony running the point, Maddie pretty much doing it all. Um, so, um, you know, Maryland has off to them. They played an incredible game for 40 minutes, um, super tough team. And, um, and again, I'm just really proud, proud of my team, um, just like I was last year. No one expected us to be here. Um, we're going to come back a stronger, better team um, because of this. And um, it never feels good when you go through um, a game like this. Um, but what I am encouraged by is that I have a very, you know, a sophomore, a junior coming back. My core is strong. Um, and I'm looking forward to what Notre Dame women's basketball is going to look like in the future. Well, there's no doubt about that. The core is extremely so- strong. When you get Olivia Miles back in the equation, it gets even stronger. One thing I don't disagree with, Neil's saying nobody expected us to be here. Well, they're a top 10 team most of the year. And even without Miles, they got a number three seed in the NCAA tournament. I think we all expected Notre Dame to get out of the regional on their home floor. And so I think getting to the Sweet 16 was what they were supposed to do. Anything after that, considering the injuries to Miles and Mabry, would be just icing on the cake. But I wouldn't say no one expected them to be there. They're supposed to get to the Sweet 16, even with the injuries. They still have a roster loaded with four- and five-star prospects coming out of high school. So it wasn't like this team didn't have any talent left. I think they got as far as we should have expected the Sweet 16 
I didn't expect them to beat Maryland considering the roster they had and considering Maryland beat them at Notre Dame earlier this year. So I think they accomplished what I expected and most people expected, at least get to the Sweet 16. And the Irish were in this game. It wasn't like they were blown out early in this contest. They were in position going into the second half to have a chance to win the ball game, but unfortunately, miscues turned up, and Maryland eventually pulled away from Neil Ivy's team. You know, um, I think Sony said it the best. Like, we went rogue, you know. Um, first half, felt like we played our style, what we were trying to do game plan-wise, down one, start the first um, possession, turning the ball over, and that momentum just really that really hurt hurt us and then um, you know I think everyone was trying to get us going <laughs> so like um, the rogue is the rogue part of it kind of going one-on-one -on -one because they're trying to make something happen after we broke the press and I think when you have possession after possession of that empty possessions um, on one end offensively on the other end they did a great job on the boards um, they shot the ball really well in that third quarter um, and then when they actually missed shots they did a great job of getting um, second opportunities and um, and that's where we fell short, and I felt like it, it, we, we dug ourselves a really deep hole trying to find a way to fight out of that hole. Um, um, and you add on the foul trouble, it just really hurt. Well, a big positive, K.K. Bransford, the freshman, played all 40 minutes for Coach Ivy in the contest. Eight points, seven assists, Sonia Citron, 14 points, Maddie Westfeld, nine points, and five rebounds. So the Irish end their season with a record of 27-6. and six. And Coach Ivy mentioned during the postgame press conference that injured star guard Olivia Miles, they're searching for dates for a surgery sometime next week. I assume next week means this coming week. And she's hoping that Miles will be able to return to the team later on this summer. So the Irish... ACC regular season champions and make it to the Sweet 16 in the NCAA tournament. Topic number two in our hat trick of opening topics, we go to the National Football League. And should the Indianapolis Colts go after Lamar Jackson? Lamar Jackson, a star quarterback for the Baltimore Ravens, known for his athleticism, his ability to run the football, can give you a 1,000 rushing yards, and a guy who can throw the football pretty well, not as dynamic as other quarterbacks, but does a pretty good job in play action. And he has been basically in a stalemate with the Baltimore Ravens in terms of a brand new contract. It seems like Lamar's been around a long time, but he's only 26 years old. That's important. You have to worry about his shelf life considering the contact he takes as a running quarterback. Now, the Ravens and Jackson, who, by the way, doesn't have an agent. He represents himself. They have not been able to come together on a new contract. So today, Jackson on Twitter revealed he has asked Baltimore for a trade. So how do the Indianapolis Colts fit into all this? Well, supposedly the Colts plane was in Baltimore for an extended period of time over the weekend. But the Colts need a quarterback. The veteran carousel of quarterbacks for the Colts has to stop. It just has not worked as well as you would have hoped. Phillip Rivers was okay. Matt Ryan turned out to be a decision that did not work out for the Colts. Now you've got a new head coach in Shane Steichen, the former offensive coordinator of the Philadelphia Eagles, helped Jalen Hurts develop 
as a multi-dimensional quarterback for Philadelphia. Now, could he do the same with Jackson? Could he raise his level of play even further from what we saw from Lamar in Baltimore? The Colts have the number four pick in the NFL draft next month. That's normally a great spot to get a quarterback. But there are many teams up top that need a quarterback. The Carolina Panthers needed a quarterback. And they unloaded a haul to the Chicago Bears to jump up to the number one spot. They're going to take a quarterback. At number two, the Houston Texans need a quarterback. They're going to take a quarterback. And the expectation is those two franchises will take Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud, the Bama and Buckeye quarterbacks. Those two are gone. So do the Colts like what's left on the board? Now, Arizona sits at three. They will not take a quarterback since they have Kyler Murray, but could they pull a Chicago Bear move and get out of that three spot, move down in the draft, and collect assets? for a team that wants to move up to number three. Now, the Colts, maybe they want to jump up from four to three to secure the quarterback they want beyond Young or Stroud. You would think the candidates would be Will Levis or Anthony Richardson. Richardson from Florida, Levis from Kentucky. Now, if the Colts feel like those two players can be championship-level quarterbacks, they could stay at four and take whichever one is left. If a quarterback is taken at three, they're left still with one of the top four quarterbacks. If you take a quarterback at number four, then you do have something that could become an advantage for the Colts, and that is your starting quarterback. It may not be day one, but eventually – The guy you draft will be your starting quarterback, and you will have him on a rookie salary. So for the next four or five years, you're going to have your quarterback paid well below market value. And that's when you can build the rest of your football team around that quarterback. Look what the Seattle Seahawks did years ago when they got Russell Wilson in the draft, became the starter, And for the next couple of years, they built around that quarterback using money saved at the quarterback position to enhance the rest of the roster. And they became Super Bowl champions. And had they handed off to Marshawn Lynch, rather than throwing the football at the Patriot one-yard line, they might be a two-time Lombardi Trophy winner. But the fact is, having that young quarterback gave Seattle the opportunity to build an awesome squad around him, and it paid off. The Colts could do that if they go with the rookie quarterback. Now, if you go with Lamar Jackson, you would have to imagine he's going to get at least five years, $230 million. I say five years, $230 million because that is the ridiculous contract the Cleveland Browns, after trading for Deshaun Watson, gave the troubled quarterback after he was dealt from Houston to Cleveland. That contract, I would have to imagine led to every GM and owner elsewhere in the NFL to scream at the top of their lungs. Because every time somebody signs a new standard or set and Deshaun Watson is not worth five for 230. 
and he looked extremely rusty last year. You hope it was rust if you're a Cleveland fan. You hope that's not a sign of things to come. So, Lamar Jackson, let's just say that. He gets at least five years for 230. That's what the Colts would have to pay him after trading for him. Or, as I mentioned, you could go the rookie round the draft. You hope you hit a guy that's going to become an outstanding quarterback and you build around them. But first things first, the Ravens have to trade Lamar Jackson. And at some NFL meetings today, Ravens head coach John Harbaugh was asked about the trade speculation, including the tweet that his quarterback put out that he is asked to be traded. I haven't seen the tweet. It's an ongoing process. Uh, I'm, I'm following it very closely, just like everybody else is here, and uh, looking forward to a resolution. I'm excited, thinking about Lamar all the time, thinking about him as our quarterback. We're building our offense around that idea, and uh, I'm just looking forward to getting back to football. I'm confident that's going to happen. Do you anticipate him being your quarterback in week one? Uh, I do. You know, you gotta you got to plan for all the contingencies for sure, but uh, I'm pretty – I'm pretty fired up about Lamar Jackson. I mean, Lamar Jackson is a great player. Lamar uh, came back in great shape last year. He's fired up to play. Uh, that's the Lamar that I'm looking, for, looking forward to seeing. Can't wait to get back on the grass and go to work. And I'm confident that's going to happen. There's John Harbaugh, the Ravens head coach, still positive that the Ravens and Lamar Jackson will come together on a deal. Lamar's asked for a trade again. He's his own agent. He does not have an agent. So he's acting as Lamar Jackson's agent. He is asked to be traded from the Baltimore Ravens. And if you're the Colts, anytime a dynamic football player becomes available, you have to kick the tires. And there's no doubt the Colts are kicking the tires. And they've got a massive decision to make. If the Ravens end up trading Jackson, do they want to be first in line? Do they want to wait for that rookie quarterback? Do they want to move up to three? to ensure they get the guy that's left that they really, really like. It's a big, big decision for Mr. Ballard, who's trying to change the trajectory of this Colts franchise, which has been, unfortunately, heading in the wrong direction the last year and a half. That loss to Jacksonville the last week of 2021 season, so they didn't make the playoffs, that kind of started the downward trend, coincidence or not, then last year just did not go well for the football team. And by the way, Colts minicamp starts April 10th. You'd love to know who your quarterback is in about 13, 14 days. Voluntary minicamp is April 24th through the 26th. And then OTAs for the Colts May 23rd through the 25th, 31st through June 2nd, and June 5th through the 8th. Who will be the quarterback in those camps to be determined. And the third and final hat trick of opening topics tonight involves Major League Baseball. Do me a favor for the next three, four minutes. Forget I'm a St. Louis Cardinals fan. Just throw that out the window because this is one of those moments I'm going to be critical of the Cubs and pat the Cardinals on the back. And I'm not doing it because I'm a fan. I am very hard on my team, very outspoken about them. So I will give them their due when they are deserving of it. But when you're a Cardinal fan in Cub country and you say something negative about the Cubs, then the avalanche starts. 
So here's what I want to talk about. How differently the Cardinals and the Cubs handle their rising stars. Let's go back to March of 2015. There was a pretty good young infielder the Cubs were grooming by the name of Chris Bryant. He was the minor league player of the year in 2014. He was the number one prospect in all of baseball. Spring training 2015, Bryant hit 425 with nine home runs in 40 spring training at-bats. Now that was the year the Cubs were supposed to turn the corner to be a contender 2015. But despite the accolades, despite the spring training success, the Cubs did not put their young star on their opening day roster, keeping Bryant in the minors for a couple of weeks just so the Cubs, one of the wealthiest franchises in baseball, could keep an extra year of his services before he's eligible for free agency. Yes, the Cubs are a big market franchise. What was the latest numbers? They were the fourth, the number four in all of baseball in terms of value. You've got an incredibly loyal fan base. You have financial flexibility that you could have locked up Chris Bryant long term if you held if you didn't hold him back to the minors. Theo Epstein's argument at the time, Bryant needed more time to work on his feeling. Yeah, another two weeks is just going to make a massive difference. So he was held in the minors till April 17th, which allowed the Cubs to gain an extra year of service time. Bryant, his agent, Scott Boris, and the Cubs never on the greatest of terms after that situation. Now, the Cubs did not break any rules. They had every right to do this. But, A, the Cubs have all the money they needed to pay a player that they felt was a franchise player and worth the money rather than worrying about this extra year. If the player is good enough, they're going to get a deal they're looking for and the franchise is going to get their player long term. I don't get a wealthy, big market franchise worrying about a year of eligibility trying to save a few bucks. Now, again, they broke no rules. I'm not arguing that. But was it worth the hassle? Fast forward to 2023. Kind of similar to the spring of 2021 when St. Louis had this guy in the minors by the name of Albert Pujols. They could have held him back in the minors, but... Opening day, he was on the roster and had a massive rookie season, became the NL Rookie of the Year. Eventually, he signed an eight-year, $100 million contract, so that holding him back for another year didn't matter. So now this brings St. Louis in a similar situation. I'm not saying this guy's Albert Pools. I'm not saying he's even Chris Bryant. But the expectation is this guy is going to be the next Cardinals superstar, and his name is Jordan Walker. Number four prospect, according to MLB Pipeline, he's 20 years old, was the 21st pick of the 2020 MLB entry draft. The Cubs could have taken him. They did not. A lot of people in St. Louis happy about that because Walker's not played above double-A. Never made it to triple-A last year. Yet the Cardinals have announced they're putting Walker on the opening day roster, even with options to man the three starting outfield spots. The Cardinals believe Walker is a special player, like the Cubs felt the same way about Chris Bryant. Yet the medium market Cardinals aren't worried about the extra year. 
They believe Walker can help them win games now. And they want him on the roster now. On a roster that was still a pretty good offense last year with all the parts back, they thought enough of him to bring him up now. It would have been so easy to do the Chris Bryant thing, hold him off for a couple of weeks with all the options they had. But that's not the way they do things. If you've earned the spot, you're going to make the team. And he did. And if all goes well, the Cardinals are going to get what they want, a dominant middle-of-the-order hitter for the next decade. And even giving up that extra year of eligibility or control, they're fine with that because you know what? If they believe he's a long-term answer, he's going to get a massive deal, and that extra year is not going to matter. So if a immediate market team can do this, why would a big market team with all the money in the world not just put the best player on the roster in Chris Bryant back in 2015? The one thing about the Cardinals and the Cubs the last couple of decades, if not longer, outside of when Epstein loaded up that 16 team and they were well over the luxury tax, they spent their way to put their team in position to win a title. St. Louis is much smarter in drafting, developing players, and getting young players ready to make an impact right away and not worrying about that extra year like the Cubs did. Now, maybe with Epstein gone... Maybe Hoyer does a better job in this area. And we'll see, maybe down the line next year, if Pete Crow Armstrong doesn't make it to the majors this year, they may have a decision to make with him. The outfielder in South Bend last year could be a candidate to make the opening day roster next year with the Cubs pulled the same thing on him. Now, he's not as good as Chris Bryant. He's fantastic defensively and a developing offensive player, but the Cubs might be able to show us that they have a different attitude with a – different person in charge of baseball operations. It's just interesting how two rivals whose franchises have had different levels of success do things totally different. The team with less money doesn't worry about the extra year of control, while the team with the big market franchise worries about it. And that doesn't make any sense. That's putting baseball money before baseball victories. And hopefully... The Cubs move on from that with Epstein gone. 5.36 is our time. When I come back, you're going to hear from Notre Dame offensive coordinator Jared Parker. He met the media on Saturday talking about his new offense here in South Bend. 5.36 on your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Highlight reel won by Williams. Down the sideline, Williams. Chased by Gamble. 20, 10. What a run. Touchdown. Spectacular run. Here's the fake. Meyer looking. Meyer finding the other tight end. Irv Smith touchdown. Five by rocket touchdown. Irish. Here's your host, Darren Pritchett. Eighteen minutes in front of six o'clock. Sports beat continues on Sports Radio nine sixty WSBT. Notre Dame football spring practice well underway. Jared Parker, last year's tight end coach, elevated to offensive coordinator 
and tight end coach this offseason once Tommy Reese departed for Alabama to be their offensive coordinator. So Parker, who has some experience as an individual calling plays at West Virginia, gets the opportunity with Marcus Freeman here in South Bend. On Saturday, Coach Parker met the media, and he was asked about the first three days of practice, what has stood out on the offensive side of the football. Yeah, you know what, I think that finishing today, just in week one, I really like our guys. You know, no different than this place in our culture here. It's set from our head coach down. Our offensive guys, our energy, the full football team, just our energy, commitment to learning, commitment to fixing things, and just to buy into our tempo and energy to move and practice and move with urgency. Um, that's where it starts. You know, we've got a tough physical football team. Um, and just to see those guys do that again on the grass after a long break since the bowl game is refreshing. And for us, it's a long time from that window from being done and recruiting January to get to this point. And certainly with uh, the, the job change for me to be able to get on the grass and help these guys do what they love doing is, is certainly an exciting time for all of us. It is an offense that has a terrific running back room that is well documented. You've got an extremely talented and veteran quarterback in Sam Hartman arriving from Wake Forest. You feel really good about those two spots. You love your tackles, two guys that probably are going to be highly drafted a year ago from now. And Joe Alt and Blake Fisher, you've got to rebuild your guard spots. There seems to be a lot of good candidates to fill those spots. Nothing was added from the transfer portal. You got your returning starting center back, so that should be okay. And Zeke Carell, the tight end room is going to look different with Michael Mayer gone. More on that in a second. Wide receivers, they got to show us. We need to see consistency. So it is an offense with a lot of interesting parts. Anytime you have a quarterback that can play at an extremely high level, I think it elevates your hope for your football team's success. I've talked about this a lot in the two decades since Brady Quinn left, but Brady Quinn was one of those quarterbacks here at Notre Dame that was good enough to offset other parts of the football team that were not, let me say for the sake of argument, BCS Bowl level teams. Brady Quinn got the Irish to the Fiesta Bowl against Ohio State and the Sugar Bowl against LSU. Those games did not go well because the warts of the football team really showed up against the high-caliber football teams in those bowl games. The running game was okay. The defense was not great, but Brady Quinn could outscore the opposition with his ability to throw the football and make great decisions in Charlie Weiss's offense. Brady elevated that team. Without Brady Quinn, they're not going to BCS Bowl games. If you have a regular quarterback or a quarterback above average, like Ian Book, for example. If Ian Book was the quarterback of those teams, great quarterback, but he would not have been able to lift the level of that team that Brady Quinn had to go to BCS Bowl games. Brady Quinn on Ian Book teams, maybe he could have taken them even farther. Who knows? But that's the type of collegiate player he was. It didn't work out in the NFL. The arm strength, I think, was a factor. But Brady at the college level was a difference maker. And I'm not trying to compare Sam Hartman to Brady Quinn, but Sam goes into the category of a quarterback that you feel really good about 
that he can elevate the players around him. That's the sign of a great player. When you have a quarterback, in this case, that can put the ball in the right spot, make the right decisions. In his case, my goodness, the video of him throwing the deep ball has been just as we expected. I was going to say spectacular, but I don't want to do that because that sounds like I'm surprised. Watching his games last year, this guy is so good at throwing the football deep down the field. So I think Parker has an interesting offense. There are questions that have to be answered. But when you look at the quarterback, the tackles, the running backs, that is an awfully good place to start. And some of those young freshman wide receivers, let's see if they eventually impact this football team. It's early. And it's just a couple of plays that we see on video. But, man, Rico Flores Jr. has popped up a couple of times. Great house has as well. More from Jared Parker, the new Notre Dame offensive coordinator. What has he seen from his veteran quarterback, Sam Hartman? Yeah, that's the first thing. I think with anybody, a guy that decides to work in any capacity, when you come in and show that you're about to work and build a relationship with guys and do it in a humble manner is something big to say. He does that with a lot of our guys on the unit. So that was the first day, so it kind of gives him an instant street cred. And, of course, being out here, to to come out here and be around a a different operation, a different way of doing things offensively, and for him to adapt, grow, and just dive into this thing with the other quarterbacks. And Coach Gadouli says a lot about him. He's done that through three practices and continue growing. Well, I I would ask you, if you have a few moments – Go to YouTube.com. Just go to Wake Forest 2022. Check out a couple of their games, and you'll get a sense of what this kid is capable of. Again, he is not afraid to throw the ball down the field. That's what I'm excited about. The Notre Dame vertical game, the last couple of quarterbacks has been minimal. Boy, if you're a defensive coordinator, you cannot take that for granted with Hartman at the quarterback position. So I'm really excited to see Sam. Hopefully we get to see him in the blue-gold game a little bit coming up April 22nd. We'll have a live play-by-play of the game right here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Speaking of the young wide receivers, I touched on or at least mentioned their names a moment ago, Rico Flores, Jaden Greathouse, and Braylon James, early enrollees. Sometimes it's tough on wide receivers early on when they – enroll in college they're kind of swimming uphill as they try to take in all that information almost like taking a drink of water from a fire hose it can be rather intimidating here's coach parker on these young wide receivers and their starts to spring practice flores great house and james yeah of course they're swimming and and to be fair that's okay Um, the great thing is right now they're starting to play faster play a little faster, develop some confidence, then take a little step back and then go again. Just just a typical progression. But they're very, very talented players. They're eager. They want to learn. And the guys have welcomed them in. So just to come in, we just certainly feel very good about where they're at right now. And they'll continue to grow and get better. We'll keep pressure off of them and let them grow in time. And then finally, the tight end room, which Parker, of course, is still in charge of for a second consecutive year. The All-American Michael Mayer getting set for the NFL draft which leaves you a group of tight ends battling for playing time. Rehab of injuries or surgery is a factor right now at the position, but once we get to the fall and everyone has a chance, you got Mitchell Evans, who probably is the early leader due to some injuries, or he's earned that possibly as well, but Evans would be probably the first guy out right now. But you got Eli Reardon, 
Holden Stays, the veteran Kevin Bauman. You got Cooper Flandigan, a freshman, coming in, and the utility knife Davis Sherwood back for another year. Here's Parker on the tight end room without Mr. Mayor. Well, you know, the, the good thing is they got a real good glimpse of it through 15, 16 practices, whatever it was for the bowl game and playing in the bowl game. And they just feel a huge obligation to the history and tradition of the tight end room. You know, the, the guys that are still playing in the NFL, the guys of the past that have played in the NFL and will put this golden helmet on long before I got here and will happen long after, there's an obligation to play at a high level to tight end position here. I know that. I've got the responsibility of it. They know it. And they feel it in a very positive way to make sure they play at a high level because that's the standard here at Notre Dame. All right, Mitchell Evans, I think he can be a really good player for this football team. Really in, interested to see some of the young guys who have been waiting for their opportunity. Rarden stays. Let's see what they can do. And Bauman, I think, when healthy, can be a helpful member of the tight end room. A lot to be determined at that spot. It's been, I think, for so many years, you kind of knew who the guy was going to be. High-level player, probably playing in the NFL right now. But right now, a little, little lull, I would say, because you've got unproven players or players coming off injury. A little more of a question mark at the tight end position than we're used to. Here in South Bend. 5.52 is your time. I'm Darren Pritchett, Sportsbeat on WSBT Radio. Coming up next, our Twitter question of the day on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Sinking driveway, cracked path. This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sportsbeat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. couple of minutes in front of the top of the hour on this Monday evening. I'm Darren Pritchett. This is our Twitter question of the day. You can check out my question each weekday on my Twitter account at 960Sportsbeat. We go back to Thursday since I was off on Friday. Thursday's question was, which of these Notre Dame position groups do you have the least amount of concerns about as spring practice begins. Which of these Notre Dame position groups do you have the least amount of concerns about as spring practice begins? Your choices, offensive line, running back, quarterback. We have tabulated the votes, coming in third place at 19%, the Irish offensive line. With two new guard spots to fill, I could see why people stayed away from offensive line and also because of the other two options in this vote. Coming in second in the voting, which of these offensive position groups do you have the least amount of concerns about? Second place at 25% was quarterback. I honestly thought quarterback would win this hands down with Sam Hartman and Tyler Buckner as one, two, and considering what Hartman did at Wake Forest, I thought the quarterback position would win this. But they barely beat the offensive line, which is very interesting. Well, winning the vote, the offensive position group at Notre Dame that you have the least amount of concerns with as spring practice began, the running back room at 56 We'll talk about the running back room coming up in our first segment of the 6 o'clock hour. Logan Diggs, Audric Estime and crew, you have no concerns about that group, and I can't blame you, 56%. 
Quarterback, 25%. Offensive line, 19%. Today's question that went up earlier today, again on my Twitter account at 960 Sportsbeat, which of these Notre Dame defensive position groups do you have the least amount of concerns about with spring practice underway? Your three choices, defensive line, linebacker, or defensive backs slash secondary. I'm really curious about this one. Based on social media conversation, this could be a very tight vote because I don't think there's a right or wrong answer in this question. Which of these Notre Dame defensive position groups do you have the least amount of concerns about as spring practice begins? Defensive line, linebacker, or the defensive backs? Hmm. All right, give it a shot. You can vote on my Twitter account at 960Sportsbeat. And since you're going to Twitter to vote, I just started a contest a little bit ago. A sports beat contest with a prize of a $50 gift card to Wings, etc. Go to my Twitter account at 960 Sportsbeat. How many runs will the Cubs and the White Sox score in their opening day games, their first game of the year? I ask you to reply to the tweet with your guess. How many runs will the Cubs and the White Sox score in their opening day games? closest without going over the run total and I'll draw one name in the case of a tie for first place so I'd love for you to take part a $50 gift card to wings etc on the line go to 960 Sportspeed on Twitter how many total runs will the Cubs and the White Sox score in their opening day games again I ask you to reply to that tweet with your guess and we're going prices right closest without going over the run totals. Good luck in advance. We've reached the top of the hour. A sports update a couple of minutes away. Then we'll talk more Notre Dame spring practice, the top five wins of the weekend. We've got Michael Mayer slipping in another mock draft. In fact, not even the first tight end selected. And we'll have some sizzler before the end of the program on Sports Radio 960 WSBT South Bend. Michiana tradition continues. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Twelve minutes after six o'clock at Sports Radio 960 WSBT. I'm Darren Pritchett. Sports Beat brought to you by Budweiser. The King of Beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Sports fans, this bud's for you. By Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, now with three locations to serve you. Barnaby's, the family inn. By the Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org. Pet Refuge, urging you to adopt. Don't shop or new beginnings have happy endings. Well, the Notre Dame football team well into spring practice and a name to keep in mind when fall practice comes around. Now, maybe there's a time that we see this guy a little bit running around during spring practice, but 
on the conservative side. You think about later on this year how this player could impact this football team and Jadarian Price, freshman running back last year. He dazzled us in the spring game, had a 55-yard touchdown off a screenplay and just looked looked the part out there. I know a spring game, you don't go through full-scale evaluations, but his speed really showed up in that particular game. And Jadarian, unfortunately, never got to play a down during his freshman season in the fall. He suffered a torn Achilles last summer, of course, needed surgery, and was lost for the year. But this guy could be an impact player very soon for the Fighting Irish. A four-star running back out of Texas who ran, according to Max Preps, for 4,990 yards in high school, 7.1 yards per carry, and 55 rushing touchdowns his last two years of high school. He also had 55 catches. And he could be an impact player on this football team. As you look at the depth chart, could Price be the number three running back? And we have seen the Irish use three running backs pretty consistently. Although I'm not a big fan. If you've got two horses, I like riding those two horses. And boy, Notre Dame has two guys you can count on. Logan Diggs and Audrick Estime. Now, if a game gets out of hand, you're ahead in the fourth quarter. Yeah, bring in the third and the fourth guy. No problem there. But in the heat of the moment, I'm a fan of two running backs, but it's worked well for Notre Dame going with three digs, Estime and Chris Tyree. Now, as we found out, first day of spring practice, Chris Tyree right now moonlighting at the wide receiver position. We know he can catch the football. 24 catches each of the last two years. And now he's at least getting a sample of being a full-time wide receiver. We don't know if it's going to be a permanent move. Wouldn't be shocked if it is a permanent move. But it's also a situation where if injuries hit the running back room, you can always move Tyree back to running back if needed. But if Diggs and Estime are 1A and 1B, and that's how I'm going to label them, I'm not sure how you can say one is ahead of the other, both had great years last year. Estimate looked even faster in the first practice video. He looked like he had picked up a step, a little leaner. I mean, that guy is a massive human being. You add more speed to that power, holy Toledo. No thanks if I'm a cornerback and he's running at me. I'm going Deion Sanders and throwing up the white flag. But it could be Diggs and Estimate 1A, 1B. Could Price be your number three running back when he is healthy? The electric speed that he has, the game-breaking ability, makes him a possibility. you got Jabran Payne, who was a freshman last year for this football team. You've got a running back coming in, a freshman in Jeremiah Love. And again, let's just always put Chris Tyree on the list just in case he goes back to running back full-time or if he is needed in some capacity. You can always put Chris Tyree on that list as well. And I think... The development of price that Notre Dame is expecting probably allows them to dabble a little bit with Chris Tyree at wide receiver. Now, in the spring, you can try anything. You can do whatever you want. If it doesn't work, hey, we tried it. You move on to the next idea. So who knows if this Tyree thing will stick? I think it might. Another veteran pass catcher with all those young guys at wide receiver makes a lot of sense. So I would have to say... If Tyree sticks at wide receiver, that's probably a sign the coaching staff absolutely believes in Price or maybe Payne 
as that number three running back behind Diggs and Estimayan. Hey, Marcus Freeman, even with Sam Hartman on the football team at quarterback, still wants to be able to run that football. And you add a great running game to what Sam Hartman can do to throw the football deep down the field. That is a very interesting offense. Not dink and dunk, but to get the ball down the field, if you got a great running game and you got a quarterback that can throw it deep, boy, you can put up some massive offensive numbers. And that is the hope for Jared Parker and the offense in 2023. So keep an eye on Jadarian Price. Probably he will not be a major storyline this spring as he continues to come back from the Achilles, but I think he's running around a little bit more each day. Maybe we'll see him down the line in spring practice, but watch out in the fall. He is a player that can help this team, and again, maybe that's one of the reasons why Tyree, among other things, is being allowed to try wide receiver. Spring practice continues. We've got the spring game once again live here on WSBT Radio. I'm looking forward to once again calling the game here on WSBT Radio. We get to use the big Notre Dame network booth for that particular game. Always an honor to be in there calling the game here on WSBT Radio. April the 22nd, game time at 2 o'clock right here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Who had the top five wins of the weekend? A lot to choose from. The five that made the list coming up next, 619 on your home of the Irish, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. One question, five answers. This is the My Five Questions of the Day on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Boy, a lot to choose from. The top five wins of the weekend coming close but not making the list was the Notre Dame baseball team who has not had the greatest start to the year compared to what we've seen the last couple of years, but they had not had any success against Louisville the last decade. They took two out of three from the sixth-ranked team of the country at X Stadium over the weekend, so that was definitely at least worth mentioning. Good work by the Irish baseball team, but not on the list. Ladies and gentlemen, this is number five. Well, let's give some props to the Ohio State women's basketball team. They had one of the best wins of the weekend. The Buckeyes got off to a slow start in their Sweet 16 matchup against UConn, but boy, the Buckeyes recovered and ousted UConn 73-61. UConn failed to make the Elite Eight for the first time since 2007. And who knocked them out? None, None other than former Notre Dame assistant coach Kevin McGruff, who is now the head coach of Ohio State. The Buckeyes will take on number one seed Virginia Tech tonight at 9 o'clock with a spot in the final four on the line. Ohio State's women's basketball team number five on our list of the top five wins of the weekend. Four. Hayden Wisniewski. He was named the Chicago Cubs number five starter over the weekend. Now, the Cubs at the trade deadline traded away one of my favorite South Bend Cubs. He was just a terrific young man. Loved talking to him. Always open to chat. And that was Scott Efros, who turned out to be a terrific reliever for the Chicago Cubs. And surprisingly at the deadline, 
the Cubs moved Efros for this Wesneski guy. As much as I love Efros, this could turn out to be a steal for Chicago. Wesneski, with the Cubs at the end of the season, made six appearances, had a 2.18 ERA with 33 strikeouts and only seven walks in 33 innings, and he fanned eight in five scoreless innings in his major league debut against the Cincinnati Reds. On September the 22nd, against the Pirates, he pulled off an immaculate inning. Nine pitches, nine strikes, three strikeouts, just like that. Inning over. Well, this spring, he backed up his late season success. At the Cubs spring training, Wesneski had a 2.12 ERA, team leading 22 strikeouts in 17 innings, walking six. This guy has a wipeout slider. Extremely impressed with that slider. And he has worked his way into the rotation, at least for now. I say now because I guess theoretically, Wesneski is taking the place of Kyle Hendricks, who is still injured but could be back in the very near future. So the Northsiders rotation at the start of the year with Hendricks out, you got Marcus Stroman, free agent signee Jamison Talon, Drew Smiley, former South Bend Cub Justin Steele, and Wesneski. Probably not one of the top five, ten rotations in Major League Baseball, but I tell you what, that's a rotation good enough to win a lot of games if the offense and defense comes through. Now, there are some questions in the bullpen, and you don't want to waste great starts and then the bullpen throw it away. But this team in that division, you can make an argument the Cubs could be a second-place team. I'm not sure they're at the level of St. Louis. They're close to Milwaukee, possibly, if things go well with the bullpen. And if Cody Bellinger can hit like he used to when he was the MVP with the Dodgers and not the guy the last couple of years who has been lousy, Cubs could have something. They could be a surprise. I would not expect them to make the playoffs, but they're not going to be a pushover or they're not going to tank this year. They are once again building toward being a playoff contender, and I really like Wesneski, and I'm excited to see what he can do, and if he pitches well, it's going to force the Cubs to make a tough decision who they take out of the rotation. I would bet it's Smiley, if all things are equal, the veteran guy, because Steele has pitched well. You spend a lot of money on Talion and Stroman to be the top part of your rotation, so I would think if Wesneski pitches well, Hendricks comes back, Smiley could be the odd guy out in the Cubs rotation. Okay, okay. Uh, Number three. Top five wins of the weekend. We move on to number three and the Miami Hurricanes. The number one seed in the ACC tournament, ousted by Duke in the semifinals of the conference tournament. And the team that was the number one seed in the ACC tournament only got a nine seed in the NCAA tournament. But they don't care about seeding. They've made it to their first ever Final Four. And what's, I think, cool about the Hurricanes, in an era where upsets are so common, they have had to face the toughest possible team each step of their bracket. 
I said a nine seed. They're a five seed. Excuse me. Pardon my moment there. They're a five seed. Hurricanes took on the 12 seed Drake in a 5-12 matchup. And the Canes down by seven with about five to go. Rallied to beat the Bulldogs 63-56. So then the Hurricanes moved on to face the four seed, the Indiana Ball Club. The Hoosiers took a lead in the second half. Then the Canes pulled away again and won 85-69. No pushover in the Sweet 16 for the five-seed Miami. They beat top-seeded Houston 89-75. And in the Elite Eight, again, they had to face the toughest matchup possible, the two-seed Texas. And how about Miami erasing a 13-point deficit and beat the Horns 88-81. to So how about that? With all the wild upsets, 16-over-1, the 15-seed Princeton winning, on and on and on, Miami had to face the toughest possible opponent along the way, the 12, the 4, the 1, and the 2. And now the fifth-seeded Hurricanes will still wear the away jersey. For a fourth consecutive game, they'll take on the four-seed UConn Saturday at 849 here on WSBT Radio. And then in the title game, San Diego State or Florida Atlantic would be in the championship game. Absolutely nuts. Miami Hurricanes in the list of the top five wins of the weekend. Number two. Got to go with Florida Atlantic. The Owls took down the three-seed Kansas State 79-76 to reach their first Final Four in just their second NCAA tournament appearance. They were down six with 8.37 to go on Saturday, but Kansas State went almost seven minutes without a field goal allowing the Owls to go on a 15-1 run. They are the first nine seed to make the Final Four since 2013. And now Florida Atlantic will take on San Diego State in the national semifinals on Saturday. So Florida Atlantic or San Diego State will play for the national championship. It just shows you anything is now possible. Florida Atlantic is the ninth number nine seed or lower to reach the final four since seeding began in 1979. Interestingly enough, the previous eight teams seeded ninth or lower to make the final four. None of those eight won in the national semifinals and none of the eight played in the championship game. The teams are, back in 1979, what a Final Four that was with Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, Indiana State, Michigan State. Penn was there as a nine seed. In 1986, 11 seed LSU got to the Final Four. Then there was a drought of 20 years before George Mason shocked the world as an 11 seed, making the Final Four. Now it's happened more often. You look at 2013, the Wichita State Shockers as a nine seed made the NCAA Final Four. In 2016, Jim Beheim and the 10 seed Syracuse got to the Final Four. 
2018, the miraculous run from the Missouri Valley. The Ramblers of Loyola, Chicago were an 11 seed. And in 2021, 11 seeded UCLA got to the Final Four, but all eight of those teams failed to win in the semifinals. Let's see if Florida Atlantic can break that particular trend. But what a win over Kansas State to get to the Final Four. Number one. And the number one win of the weekend goes to the Northwood Panthers boys basketball team. They won their first ever state championship Saturday night at Gainbridge Fieldhouse in Indianapolis, defeating Garen Catholic 66-63 in what was an overtime thriller in the Class 3A state title game. It was a game in which Northwood jumped out to a 10-0 lead. They were up 8 at halftime, but Garen Catholic roared back in the fourth quarter. There were a couple of turnovers that got in the way of Northwood closing the game out in regulation. That was a shock to me. They are so good with the basketball, high basketball IQ. They just stomp on people's throats when they have the lead. A rare hiccup for Northwood, but no worries. They took control in overtime, and Northwood outscored Garen Catholic 14-11 in the overtime to win the state championship 66 It is the fourth state title in Northwood history. They've got two in girls basketball, one in football, and now one in boys basketball. Cade Brenner, 28 points for the Panthers, 23 in the first half. Remarkable performance by Cade. And congratulations to Northwood, who represented the Northern Lakes Conference and Northern Indiana so well. They were... Just a bulldozer all year, and I'm really happy they won the championship. They were a championship-level team, and they got it done. And I I saw a list over the weekend. I think they're like the ninth high school in Indiana history to have a girls' basketball, boys' basketball, and football title. You would expect, like, Ben Davis is on the list. But Northwood now in an exclusive list with at least one title in those three sports. So Northwood, congratulations, and wow, the fan base of Northwood. They are awesome, filling up the gyms in Elkhart and then down at Gainbridge Fieldhouse. You guys have a lot to be proud of supporting one heck of a basketball team in Northwood, Class 3A state champions, and they had the number one win of the weekend. 641 at WSBT. Sports Beat continues next on your home of the Fighting Irish. Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. I'm catching on the hosel, right? Yeah, right, right. Moving my head. Yeah. Clearing too early. I'm clearing too late. My swing feels like an unfolding lawn chair. The crowd is just on its feet here. He's a Cinderella boy. Tears in his eyes, I guess. Four! Please, Darren Pritchett is now broadcasting. Oh, wow! In your life have you seen anything like that? On Sports Radio 960 WSBT. It is 15 minutes in front of 7 o'clock. Sportsbeat continues on WSBT Radio. Getting short on time, so I'm not going to be able to accomplish what I 
fully wanted to do in this segment. So I'm just going to tease you a little bit and we can talk a little bit more about this subject tomorrow or the next day. Daniel Jeremiah, if you watch the NFL Network, one of their top NFL draft analysts, well-respected when it comes to mock drafts. He's a part of the LA Chargers broadcast team. And he has unveiled his NFL mock draft 3.0. And what truly stands out is the fact that Michael Mayer is not the first tight end to come off the board in this year's NFL draft. In fact, he's a distant second. Would you believe he was taken 13 spots after Utah's Dalton Kincaid? Now, I mentioned last week that Kincaid has been picking up steam. He has been catching Mayer in tight end evaluations in some mock drafts, passing Michael Mayer. And he passed Mayer in this one, and he went well by the Irish tight end, which is a little bit of a surprise. In Jeremiah's NFL mock draft, Utah's Dalton Kincaid went 16 overall to the Washington Commanders. Michael Mayer went number 29 to the New Orleans Saints. So he could be catching passes from former Raiders quarterback Derek Carr. Interesting to say the least. I'm trying to do a little more analysis on this. What is causing Kincaid to pass what some people believe the safest pick in the draft, Michael Mayer? But here's an example. Daniel Jeremiah, his mock draft. Kincaid goes 16 to the Commanders. Mayer 29 to the Saints. Who would have thought that last year at this time? Or heck, even a month ago. But Kincaid, well-respected, had good numbers at Utah, didn't get the notoriety that Michael Mayer got here in South Bend. Quick timeout, little sizzler coming up, 647 at WSBT. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering, char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 